Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Happy Thursday. Welcome into the weekend edition of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Well, it's Thursday, but really it's our last episode of the week. And on the show today, we are talking with Emmy award-winning actor Gordon Clapp. He is best known as playing Detective Greg Metavoy on the Emmy award-winning show NYPD Blue for 12 seasons. And he shares with us his story about how he created this character and how it was really only supposed to last for one episode, but wound up stretching out for over 12 seasons and won him an Emmy nomination along with other awards that he has won throughout his career. He was recently seen on Mayor of Easttown, the HBO streamer, and Chicago Fire as one of the chaplains. We had a fun conversation as we caught up with him in his Vermont home as he is getting ready to go back to work again on so many other amazing projects. His background in theater on Broadway and the list goes on and on. I really hope you enjoy this as much as I did and this episode was the best enjoy today's episode with emmy award winner gordon clapp you're listening to the brett allen show a pop culture podcast have you subscribed to this show yet i've tried bribes i've tried gifts you should it's absolutely free i even sent him some pet oxen now back to the show with your host brett allen idly hey Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished. A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Gordon Clapp, welcome into the podcast. It's great to have you here today. My pleasure to be here. Well, you have been a very busy individual, both recently and <laughs> over the last several years. My God, I was going through your body of work and you've been at this business of acting and performing for a very, very long time. <laughs> Uh, yes, um, I, I got the bug when I was 12 years old and uh, I, I kind of never looked back. And, you know, I got got to college and thought, you know, this is, is this really what I'm going to do? And I was doing so much of it in college that I just kind of ignored everything else I was doing. And uh, um, and just uh, and as I say, I never looked back. You know, I had a few day jobs along the way and I had very supportive people in my life. And yeah. I'm still having fun. Yeah, I mean, and we'll get into your current projects here, but I, it brings up an interesting point, Gordon, because I hear this a lot from younger actors who kind of like are doing this and that, and they kind of dip their toes in the pool and still kind of hang on to things. And then when they get to that secure spot, I guess that's when they kind of let go. But you really just, you dove in feet first, and and that's really is that the best thing it sounds like that you can do, especially in this business of acting? Well, uh, I did a lot of theater when I was younger and, um, and that's what I encourage, uh, people who are, who want to be in the business to do as much theater as they can get their hands on. Um, because it's, uh, it, it, it really is that, that without a net thing is important and it's, uh, it's always incredibly gratifying to get, not always, <laughs> to 
to get the <laughs> feedback from an audience, the immediate feedback. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes you can feel a chill, but uh, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's so much more satisfying to me to, to be, you know, to, to get, get that, that, um, that, that, you know, hit off the audience than to, you know, sit in a, sit in a movie theater and, or, you know, watch myself at home on television. Just, uh, <laughs> Did you do a lot of that during the, <laughs> you, you know, you're always, th- you're always <laughs> thinking, Oh, I could have done that better. Sure. Or I could have, you know, uh, or, or they, they, they picked the wrong take or, you know, the editor, the editor screwed it up. No, I, I don't think I've ever said that, but <laughs> that's funny. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, like can, that. I can tell you that the, 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 the immediate satisfaction of theater is, uh, is, is, is just something that it doesn't have a parallel. Yeah, I can imagine, because if you're doing a show, let's talk about Maravis Town, which you had a great arc on. You've had a fantastic arc on Chicago Fire. When you're doing those types of shows, maybe even a film, let's say it might be six months or a year before people see it. So it's kind of hard to know what people are going to think. But if you're doing, say, a Broadway show or a theater play, you're getting that instant feedback right away. Like you can kind of fix things if you feel like you need to or the director can give you the notes necessary, right, to kind of make adjustments if if they feel that you're maybe doing something or not interpreting something, I guess would be a fair assumption, or please correct me if I'm wrong. Well, you know, the, the, the big difference is in, uh, um, in theater, you, 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 you know, you all get together. Um, there's, always a, there's always coffee and donuts at the first, and that's the last of craft service you'll ever see in theater. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, you, uh, you have a, you, you meet everybody, you have a read through, and then you spend a few days staging it. And then you spend a few weeks rehearsing it. And then you get into the theater, you do all your tech stuff and you have, uh, and you have a couple of previews or maybe in the case of Broadway, a month of previews, and then you open it and then you run it and then you close it. Um, in film and television, all that stuff happens within a few hours. Yes for an individual scene. So, and you don't really get to, you don't get to string all the scenes together in order. You know, you have to, you, you, you really have to think hard about where you are in the storyline sometimes. Um, you know, with Mayor, I, I really only had, you know, you call it an arc, but it was really only, only two scenes. And, uh, you know, it was a pivotal character um, and there were pivotal scenes, but, um, uh, and we did them in order, which which was good. But I did not know how the story ended. Yeah, I can't imagine. They probably keep that pretty secret yeah, for as everybody. Far as I was concerned. What I learned in that scene, in that second scene, was what ha- was the truth of the story. And uh, and and I was really surprised to find out that that it, that there was something else involved. Yeah, it was. I think surprising for everybody even myself who had interviewed several of the cast members and we're talking about it. And obviously they can't share what's going to happen, but really getting everybody's individual interpretation of that. And even them saying, you know, when we were filming this up until the last chance that we taped, you know, cause they, I guess they had a break for the pandemic and then kind of went back, yeah. but we're like, we don't know what's going to happen. And they film maybe a few different options. By the way, that was great, even though, you know, I've 
I felt like, again, agree with you that your character, it was very pivotal to the story. I felt like kind of being a dad and having to deal with some challenges of kids, you know, um, I think you said something like, this is my dream of retirement, having my two grown sons uh, move back in the house with me. Um, when you're doing these characters and you've done a lot of them, I'm curious, Gordon, what your process is to to get into these roles. Let's talk about, you know, let's say NYPD Blue or maybe Chicago Fire. Like, what is your process and our interest, our listeners find this all very interesting to kind of decide this is how I'm going to take on the character because you've played a lot of different characters in your long career. You know, NYPD Blue, uh, I, I made a, um, I made, I made a choice in the audition that an impulsive choice in the audition and it paid off. I, um, basically what I did was I said, I said everything twice. I, it was, it was like a stutter. And uh, and it, it it sort of filled out these scenes that I had, and I knew that I was I knew that the the guy who was playing the other role in the scenes that I was auditioning for was a guy named Dennis Franz, and I knew how scary he was. <laughs> I'd met him a couple of times. He was a lot nicer, but uh, but you know, I mean, I'd seen him I I I'd, I'd seen him on Hill Street and. You know, so I, I knew I, I knew that the the character was a pretty scary guy. So I said everything twice, and um, it was and and it was kind of a, a nervous stutter. And David Milch picked up on it and wrote for it. And I was supposed to be in one episode. Really? Yeah, I was I was just a a, a one episode one and off guest. And they kept writing. They kept writing for that character. Does that happen very often in these types of shows where you come on once and then you don't really know. So you just knew this was going to be it. Like I'm in one episode it, it and that's happened it. Three times for me. The first time was in, uh, um, in a show I did in Canada years ago with Don Adams. It was called check it out or in Canada, check it out. Uh, I played the maintenance man in the first episode, the guy who came in to fix the alarm system and and I had a spin on the character that Don Adams loved. And he said, we got to get that guy back. We have to get that guy back. So they brought me back a couple of times the first season. And then it ran two more seasons. And I had, uh, I had, I had, it was a recurring role, but it was in mo most of the episodes actually. And I had so much fun doing that, but it was, yeah, I came in for one, one episode and they, they, they kept writing. And the other, the other one was uh, Chicago fire which I believe was supposed to only be one episode, but I think they, they were thinking about, well, you know, we should have, we should write a chaplain into this in, in, you know, in, in, into, into our, um, our house, you know, and um, the, this, I, I did one at the end of season two and in season three, they, um, they wrote some really fun stuff for me. But after that, it was, um, I, maybe it was because I was living in Vermont and <laughs> they didn't want to pay the freight, you know? Yeah. That's uh, a long drive was, from Vermont I, to I, Chicago. <laughs> I think it was that they, you know, they had all these other characters and, and really wonderful actors in, in, um, you know, in the house. And uh, so I got, I got a call um, for my last episode that they would be um, that they had decided to send this character uh, to Florida to play golf. 
And clearly they didn't know how bad a golfer I am. But, uh, <laughs> but they didn't they didn't shoot anything in Florida playing golf. All they did was they they brought me in to meet the new chaplain who was a young, hunky guy. Yes, of course. And ironically had played my son on an episode of In Plain Sight. But I was going to ask you, because when I saw that episode, it made me call back to the fact that I was like, well, I think that they've worked together before. So that has to be fun when you reconnect with other scene yeah, partners. Yeah, it was a total surprise. And uh, he's a great guy and a, and a wonderful actor. So I, I um, that, that was fun. That farewell. And uh, yeah. I'm do I I'm doing one now, or I should actually I think I'm done shooting it uh, called Rust. Oh wow! Okay, um, it's another small industrial town, Pennsylvania. Um, uh, you know, dark um, and uh, kind of broody, and very funny in places uh, with Jeff Daniels and Maura Tierney. And it, wow, and we shot in Pittsburgh. Yeah, when I had reached out to your team initially, they had mentioned that you were filming. So I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, just kind of having had this long career of doing lots of different things. When you started out, I want to wind the clock back just a little bit because you mentioned early on that you, you got an early start and you had some other jobs that you did in between. But at what point was it in your career that you kind of realized, okay, this is something that I'm going to be doing for a very long time. Like, this is it for me. You know, after college, uh, I was doing, we, we had a, we had a little uh, children's theater company. We were touring in, uh, in Vermont, upper up, upstate New York, Massachusetts. And, um, and then in the summer, we would go up to where I grew up, North Conway, New Hampshire. And, and we had a, had a, a summer stock theater. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I'm doing okay, and uh, you, you know we 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 were very supportive of each other. We kind of all we were all hippies basically, and uh, but then uh, in the in the the fall of 1974, um, I walked into a theater in Halifax, Nova Scotia, full equity house, and hired me for the season. And I thought, you know, that I got my Canadian equity card. They had just broken off from American equity. And I think that was the, that was the moment that I said, I'm, I'm doing this for a living. I'm actually making $160 a week. Which was and, probably uh, a lot of money for theater. No, <laughs> not bad. And, you know, from there, um, I, I moved to Toronto. And, uh, you know, I, I, I ha I've had years in my career where, I, where, you know, not much has happened. Um, but I've never felt like it was the end. And I've never thought of, of, of giving up. I've just thought, you know, that I didn't get the luck of the draw this year. Or, you know, somebody there, somebody wasn't thinking about me or I'm, you know, I got to work. I have to work harder to get, get in, uh, in people's periphery. Yeah. I mean, the business alone is like super competitive anyway. And to be able to get in on something early and to have a long store, a long career in a show like NYPD blue, um, has to be fantastic. Now you won an Emmy award for your character, which I think is great. And you were a part of this. This was one of probably the longest running series on television, right? As far as police procedurals, it went on for what, 10 or 11 seasons, I think. Well, 12 seasons, yeah. 12 seasons. And it kind of had some character changes here and there and that sort of thing. 
when you're a part of a project like that and you're doing it for so long, it has to feel good because, you know, especially like you said, you know, it was kind of supposed to be a one and done or whatever the case might be. And then you're doing this reoccurring role and then you get these nominations and then you win. That has to be great validation, especially for a show like that, because at the time it was very controversial and kind of covered a lot of things and was kind of the forerunner for police dramas right before now there's I feel like a police drama on every network <laughs> it seems like yeah it, uh, it it had its own voice it really did have its own voice um it was it was not like law and order and I love law and order for for its own reasons but there was no not a lot of soap in law and order there was no there was plenty of soap in NYPD blue and um uh, in fact, a lot of literal soap shower scenes with uh, a lot of butt showing. Yeah, uh, yes, that's very yeah. true. So, uh, but but it, if David Milch's voice uh, is an original voice, and there's 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 nobody else like him as far as I, nobody I've come across. You know, there there are the uh, um, as the as the book there was a book called Difficult Men uh, about all of the all of the great tv writers who've uh you know aaron aaron sorkin and david mills and um uh Kel, david e kelly and uh you know these these guys who are are, are eccentric and um you know they do it their, they they do it their own way and they have their own voice and uh yeah that was that was really what made it for me and what made it such a pleasure for all those years and even after David left, his voice was still there. Um, it got it, it got a little easier because um, there weren't all the <laughs> he he wasn't coming down you know halfway through shooting a scene and, and saying you know I think we should shoot this in the other room you know <laughs> okay. and, you know or I think that that chair that's sitting there that, that that's the wrong place for it so I think we got to go. Go, you know, we got to move that and just reshoot everything. And, um, you know, and that was half the fun. Just just guessing what was going to happen when he came down you know, <laughs> in the writer's building uh, during the middle of a, of, of, of a, of a scene. So That's funny. Yeah, I read that book that you're talking about some time ago because I'm just very curious about television pop culture. And, of course, that show definitely falls into a piece I think of iconic television history because, you know, jokingly about all the shower scenes. And I remember, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch it necessarily, but sometimes my parents would let me watch uh, a little bit of it. Um, but I've seen it all. I do remember that you guys covered a lot of very controversial things and a lot of topics, but it definitely had its own voice, you know, and I think still holds up today, in my opinion, as far as like television and, and what people can watch if they're looking something for something to yeah. binge. Yeah, I have uh, I have people they find me in Vermont. I don't know. I don't know why <laughs> they, they do. They find me and they, you know, they'll either call me or message me or it just drops up in my mailbox and uh you know, there's there's one guy right now who's who keeps messaging me about where he is in the series and how great it is. And oh wow! It's um, and I've had a lot of people, uh, you know, local people, talk about, uh, you know, how they've spent COVID watching rewatching 
different shows and, and NYPD Blue is one of them. People got their start on that show too, you know, as, as a career oh, yeah. bump, you know, that was really one of those shows where you would have guests, people come on a lot or they would have these storylines. But uh, so do you have people yelling, you know, Detective Greg Metavoy at you on the street while you're, <laughs> you're trying to grocery shop? Yeah. Yeah. Go back to your wife, you bum. <laughs> They're all mad at you for whatever nefarious activities uh, you may or may not have been involved in or done. <laughs> That's crazy how people connect with characters like that. It's it's fascinating apparently, to me. Apparently um, the soap people get really get that in a, in a big way in New York. Um, if they get, get recognized, people, people actually think they are the characters. They are the, they are the real people because they see them every day and, or, 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 you know, three times, three times a week, maybe. And, uh, and, and they get really involved in the stories. <laughs> yeah. It's insane how people connect with it. Well, you've done a lot of other things outside of this, both recent and in the past, are there any standout moments for you that you feel would be career defining that you kind of go, man, I'm so thankful uh, that I was able to, to be a part of that particular series. Well, go, going, going from, uh, going from NYPD blue right into um, the Broadway run of, uh, of, of the revival of the first revival of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross was just a gift. It was a gift. And I, you know, I it, it, it was, I had done a little bit of theater um, in the in the in the time I was doing the series, but but very little, very little actual theater, and and uh, you know to jump back in like that was just extraordinary. I have a one man show that I've been um, that I've been doing on and off for about twelve years. I've done runs in different theaters, and I've done one night stands, and I've done it in bars and churches and people's houses and. Um, it's called Robert Frost, This Verse Business. And it's, a, it's an evening with, uh, with the poet Robert Frost, who is um, one of my literary heroes and uh, certainly the voice of New England. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Are you going to be able to start doing a lot more of that now that kind of things are opening back up again? Like what's the Well, plan? I think so. But it's, you know what? It's a tough sell right now because okay. it's not... Um, it's an old white, old straight white guy. Right? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So, uh, you know, there, 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 are, there aren't a lot of places that, that, you know, want, want to push that guy into the limelight. Right? <laughs> okay. At the moment. And, uh, but, but people are, are, are so captivated by, um, by the play and, and, um, and by, by spending time with that voice, you know, speaking of a voice, it's just uh, he, he, he had a real, he had a, an, an original take on, on, uh, on, on life and nature and um, his, his use of, of, of metaphor is just, is just wonderful. It just was, you know, he said, most, most of my life is finding fresh metaphor to handle what comes up. You know, he doesn't, and he, and, and, and you have to find new ones because they, they, they go down under you. You, you, you have to have find new ones. I love it. Yeah. We'll come to the Bay area. Let's do a show. <laughs> I would love to come to the Bay area. My, um, uh, my, my stepdaughter is at the university of San Francisco medical center as a resident. And, oh, wow. Uh, 
Do you yeah. make it out this way very often? Or I'm well, guess- I was hoping to come out in August, but now I'm doing a production of Our Town. Oh, wow. Okay. New Hampshire, across the river. Wow, that'll be great. My God, I maybe I should come out there and see what you're doing because I'm ready to travel. I this last year and a half has been crazy. And um, I mean, it's been great for a lot of things. But on other ends, you are a dad, you have kids, we just talked about your stepdaughter, when you were kind of going through your career early on, did the family or the kids have any interest in what you were doing? Or were they kind of you know, oh, you're talking August. about uh, oh, my son, my, my yeah, son, Billy. yes. Um, Billy never really thought about the theater. His mom, uh, his mom, uh, a wonderful act- actress, Deborah Taylor, yes. who played my, my, uh, who played my, my wife on the show, uh, Marie Metavoy, yes. Uh, Deb, Deb played Marie Metavoy, and uh, She's uh, she's been a regular and is a is actually an associate artist at the Old Globe in uh, San Diego, and uh, so so Billy was like Billy was born in a trunk, you know, but he just uh, he he never really thought about uh, um, about performing. He he was into music for a while and uh, and uh, an accomplished guitarist. Um, um, he liked the, he liked the metal stuff. And um, he he's he's now um, addicted to uh, climbing, rock climbing, and um, you know just uh, just just hiking in general, ice ice climbing, rock climbing. And uh, but he but he he you know he's he's uh, seen a lot of theater. I imagine uh, <laughs> he's probably been very exposed. <laughs> Yeah, and watch watch watched a lot of our stuff, and uh, he gets a kick out of it. He certainly gets a kick out of it. Yeah, it and has to be Billy, wild. Like my son in the, uh, like 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 the bad son in uh, actually the good son. I think the good son. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. I can imagine you know to have. I mean, to have parents who are actors. It's clearly was a family business, but to just now watch what you've done and all the work that you've been a part of um is crazy but i mean to you he's dad right you know so um i know a lot of kids when they have parents in the business they get pulled on to set you know to play boy number two or student number five you know and they just are exposed to the business one last question gordon as we wrap up here if there was ever any piece of advice that you were given on your career trajectory that kind of helped you to push you along or maybe something that you've shared with other people. Could you hit our listeners with something that you would encourage people with if they have any interest in pursuing acting as a career or just the arts in general or even theater specifically, just something along those lines? Well, as I said, you know, to do as much theater as you can and be nice to people you know the thing that I said about about theater is uh, I I think the most most important. It gives you you have so you you have so much time to explore in theater that you don't you don't really get in film and television. You can do a lot of that exploration exploration on your own in film and television, but you but you're not getting you're you're not doing it with anyone until you get on set, and you should never assume. Uh, something before you go on set, you know, unless it's a character that you, 
that you've been with for a while and a, you know, a character that you play every week or something that you, you should never, you should always be ready to be surprised by what somebody's going to throw at you. Well, I appreciate your time. I'm excited to see what's next and what you've got coming out. Gordon, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for inviting me. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home. Hey, what's up, everybody? I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor for this week's episodes, Peaky's, and they are a fantastic company here in the Bay Area. My good buddy, Jared Tuska, is the founder and creator of this food truck business, and it is absolutely amazing. And this is their message at Peaky's. Our number one goal is to bless your taste buds. That's what I'm talking about. Peaky's is a new food truck in the Solano County area. So if you are a Bay Area listener, then you know where I'm talking about. Good old Solano County and they are serving up giant gourmet hot dogs and wood-fired pizzas guaranteed to fill your belly with pure deliciousness. Now, that's what I'm talking about. And you can follow their locations and brewery rotations on Instagram or Facebook. Just type in Peaky's Eats. That's Peaky's Eats, P-E-A-K-Y-S-E-A-T-S. They also offer catering for weddings, special events, and corporate luncheons. You can contact them for a free quote at peakyseats at gmail.com. That's peakyseats at gmail.com. And now, dang it, I'm hungry for a hot dog and a wood-fired pizza. Head over to their Facebook page, their Instagram, and hook them up. And uh, I know you're probably thinking, well, what if I'm not local? What if I'm not Bay Area? Hit them up anyway. Send them across the country and uh, keep them blessed and busy. Thanks for listening and being a supporter of The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. 